It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, vegetable rights activist and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey coach, how are you doing? This is Dan Tudor and you are joining me in this conversation from the front seat of my car as I drive back to home base in North Carolina from a day with an athletic department in Virginia. Working with some great people who are clients and we kind of got them kicked off and started in the right direction with a session to go over strategy and some of the unique things that they were dealing with at their school and that's always exciting. So I was faced with an hour or two in the car and really thought, you know, this is a perfect time to do what I am horrible at doing, which is just talk directly to you. The podcast is turning out to be really popular, and I really appreciate all of the the great comments and the great uh, things that you're telling me and the fact that you share it with your fellow coaches within your athletic department. I really appreciate that because that's really the sincerest form of flattery that I could ever hope for. This is not something that is ever going to have a million listeners. That's not the goal of it. The goal is to try to serve the smart, passionate coaches out there that want to recruit better. And one of my go-to ways to do that is to bring other people in as experts. So we've had storytelling experts and uh, the, the episode previous to this one was all about fear and we've done campus visit episodes and email episodes and all these different specialties and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed them. I think the people that we talk to the coaches that we get to share information uh, with, is, uh, they're some of the best people in the world, uh, and, and I respect their their expertise so much, and just their willingness to open up and share, especially if it's a fellow coach. Um, one thing that I am horrible at, that I am reminded of from time to time from all of you, is that uh, you wish that I maybe would just talk a little bit more about strategy about my tips, about the things that we advise coaches on doing, and frankly, I'm bad at it. You know what it is? Because I've thought about this before. Why don't I just do more of that? And I think it's like, like you, you get tired sometimes of listening to yourself, and you want to hear from somebody else. You're all smart coaches, and you probably know 99.9% of what you need to know, and yet, what do you do at the conventions you go to? You go and you listen to the breakout sessions, the chalk talks, the coaches that are telling you how to do it better, or you want to know how they do it, and and you know even though you know you want to hear from somebody else, and I kind of take that that view too, is that gosh you hear so much from me, and we've been doing this long enough, and maybe we've spoken at your convention, or we've been to your school, or you're a client, and I like to bring different voices in, but again I'm reminded by you, by the coaches, that once in a while, Dan, maybe you could hop on and, and you could tell us some things. And so I'm, I, I want to do that right now. Again, while I had the time in the car just to talk and drive and, and I don't have any notes that I'm going to go off of, but I do have a topic that, that actually this week, two or three different coaches in one way or another brought up the same type of question. So I kind of feel like it's on the mind of a lot of college coaches this time of year, which is the fall of 2017 as you're listening to this, but it really happens for different sports throughout the year. So there's not one time of the year anymore when this takes place. And what I'm talking about or referring to is how do you evaluate how your recruiting year is going? 
like I said, that's going to happen at different times of the year. Uh, some of you are trying to wrap up uh, the class of you know, the, your senior class right now in the fall of their senior year. Others of you are trying to wrap up the sophomores that you're recruiting and get them to verbally commit this time of year. And some of you won't be doing this until late winter, or early spring, late spring, heck, into the summer uh, after an athlete's senior year. Some of you are still recruiting baseball, basketball coaches, especially at different division levels. So I realize that this is something that really you can do any time of the year. You're going to probably be evaluating how is our recruiting going and how do you do that? Well, I think the first thing that I would say as we get dive into this topic today, it's tough to answer that in general because every sport is different. I mean, a basketball coach in Division One is going to go about the process and evaluate throughout the process much differently than a Division Three track and field coach is versus a Division Two lacrosse coach and, and so on and so forth. The, everybody is going to customize it a little bit. And yet there are things that I see coaches doing wrong more often than not. Uh, and, and, a, and a couple of things that they do right in groups that, that I would say are sort of the, the uh, I guess, the standard that maybe I would want you to, to go by or at least base your strategy off of. So I want to kind of go through those things as I've had a number of conversations with coaches over the last couple of days on this topic. Everything is kind of fresh in my mind. And since I'm driving, obviously, I don't want to be referring to uh, notes in front of me, so I'm just going to talk, and uh, and hopefully there's something in here that you can use to evaluate what your staff is doing and how things are going for you as you um, uh, as you as you continue with uh, with recruiting. So I guess the first thing that I would want to throw at you as a starting point is in order to evaluate anything, in order to get a measurement of how things are going, you have to know where you want to go. And that seems sort of simple to hear me say it, and yet I don't know many coaches who ahead of time say, here are the types of kids that I want, the quality. Here's how many A's, B's, and C's I expect to get, and then plan around that effectively. Um, I don't see many that do that. What happens usually is that coaches shoot for their group of A's or five stars or or ones or however you're defining that top group or putting a label on them. Most coaches start the year saying, I want as many of these recruits as possible. These are the ones that I want. Those are going to be the ones that make the difference for me. And so all the time, effort, and attention goes into that group. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You have to recruit the way that you feel is going to, to benefit the program on what's realistic. But have you identified what are the number of A's, the number of B's, the number of C's, if we loosely categorize athletes like that, that traditionally you have had come in with a typical recruiting class? So if, let's just say that if, if you've been at a school for four years, you could look back at that school and say, all right, well, based on the averages, I I looked at our class and how we rated these different players in these different classes. As an example, uh, maybe we get 15% A's, 60% B's, and the other 25% are C's. And that's our history, if I I look back at that. Okay, well, 
I think then, as, as step number two in the first part of evaluating how recruiting is going, you should be able to look at this year's class and say, roughly, I expect to get the same thing. Now, does something change once in a while and you get a bunch of A's to commit? Sure, in theory, that, that happens. Doesn't happen very often, but uh, I know coaches hope that it happens. Uh, but but are you measuring? Do you, do you have an idea of what you should be bringing in? Because here's what happens, Coach. And by the way, as you're listening to this and you've been to our school or you're a client that we've run you through, the whole strategy we, we kind of save for those groups on evaluating athletes and how do you target the right athletes, this is going to start sounding familiar. Uh, and it's tougher to describe it uh, just with audio without a giant whiteboard that I get to write on to, to kind of help you walk through this. But for those of you that haven't done that, haven't had us on campus, or you aren't a client, let me try to describe it. If you segment out the 15% A's, the 60% B's, the 25% C's in that, in that example, I would say that should be a reasonable goal for this coming year. My goal is, for anybody that we work with, and I'll just share this with, with you that are, that's listening, whether you work with us or not, I want to start over time, I want to see our clients trim off the bottom, those C kids, and I want to add more high-level Bs and As. And to do that, I have to know where, what is it that, that I need to do to get those high-level A's and B's. Well, the first thing that I know is, after talking to a lot of coaches and watching a lot of situations unfold throughout a season where we get to help coaches evaluate how they recruit, I know that the A-caliber kids, in whatever sport, however you're defining that, the A-caliber kids are usually the last ones to choose a school. Why? Because they have more options. They have more colleges coming at them. There's less of a deadline that's usually imposed on them, which I think is a mistake, and that's a whole different conversation. But we'll uh, we'll just you know, leave it at that, that I think you, every kid needs a deadline. But let's just say that they don't have one. Most A's have options. Most A's know that they aren't somebody that uh, that is going to be forced into a decision. So they're going to take longer, and yet I think it's interesting that coaches tend to recruit those kids the hardest and the longest and the and probably with greater consistency and and put more time into those kids than any group of kids that they recruit knowing that or at least you know after the fact they realize that those kids usually take the longest so i'll, I'll pose the first question why would you recruit and put all of your time and attention into the group that's going to take the longest if there's another group that you could go to and make the case for uh, for action sooner and, and actually get results. Now, for me, that group is the higher level B kids. As I look back, and we've been working with a lot of programs over the last close to now 15 years, we have seen coaches who recruit most consistently and at a high level they tend to focus on wrapping up as many of the high B's as possible first. And so I'm wondering, Coach, the first thing that I would ask you as you're listening to this is, do we take that approach of trying to get as many high B's as possible? Or are we focused only on the A's? And you're answering, well, of course, Dan, we want the A's. They're the difference makers. And I get that. That was maybe not every coach's voice I just imitated, but I just had to come up with something. So 
you you want the A's, and I get that, and you're going to spend a lot of time recruiting the A's. I get that too. I never have to coach coaches up on recruiting A's hard enough. You you do that automatically. But there's this group of high B's that know they're not the A's, and at the same time they know that that uh, their their fellow recruits are are making decisions. Those A kids, the ones that they're playing on their high school team with or their club team with. They're making decisions and, and getting recruited hard. And so the high Bs tend to be the ones that are on the bubble. They know they're on the bubble. They know it's not a lock. They know they're probably going to play somewhere. But now it's just a matter of do I uh, do I risk it? And most of the time we find that they don't risk it. They, they tend to uh, attach themselves to the first team that really requires a decision of them and and play it safe and, okay, good, I have a place to, to go and, and compete in college. Um, so I think there's a strong case to be made for going after and asking for commitments from the higher-level Bs first um, and and slowly through that method get more Bs, have to recruit fewer Cs, and then go back, and there's still plenty of time to continue to recruit the As hard. Uh, so the, I guess the first point in planning is – do you categorize your strategy like that, where you have uh, you, you have a, a good historical uh, roadmap to follow of where kids are going to come from, what groups they're going to come from, and how long it's going to take to recruit them based on the history of your school? If you don't, that's the first thing that I would do right now as you start listening to the podcast. In fact, pause the podcast and kind of pencil out what that looks like and then hit play and, and continue because that's really something conceptually that you need to get you get really in your mind and define even if you're not doing it as a whole program maybe you're an assistant coach listening to this and you haven't run this past your head coach at all well okay that's still fine do it the best of your ability and figure out what that looks like and then uh again resume the podcast if 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 you know that if, if once you get that determination down of, of where kids fit in what category, I'm really going to encourage you to recruit the high-level Bs first. Because as I look at programs that have been consistently successful and where coaches have sort of shared with me in private, hey, we figure this out, here's the group that we want to get, I can just tell you, I'll speak for them, they're never going to tell you this at your convention or in the breakout sessions or even sometimes on campus they don't want to share this because it's this this highly valued secret. They feel like they've figured out something they don't want everybody else to know. I'm just going to tell you that they really focus a lot on getting as many high-caliber Bs as possible because a number of those will turn into A kids. And worst-case scenario, they usually stay at high-level Bs, and you know you can work with that. It's the Cs that really end up hurting you. Uh, so are you, are you defining your players like that? Uh, if you are then great. I think that's a, the, the first step in evaluating how your recruiting is going is figuring out, are we getting the kids that we need? And the only way to do that, like I've been saying, is is measuring them. And obviously, if you've sat through our session in a, in a live setting where we explain this piece by piece, I really ran through it quickly. But I just wanted to give you, the listener, if you haven't been through one of those, an idea of, of how to do that, at least conceptually, the, the the theory that we've seen work well and uh, and play out in, in a good fashion. So once you have that, then what do you do? Well, I think first of all, are you getting the step two in all this? Is are you getting the responses from the right groups in the right percentage levels? So, for instance, 
if the message that you are sending out is only resonating with the C's, I would make the case, Coach, that you really probably aren't sending out the right message. Uh, because the C's will respond to pretty much anything. They're they're desperate. They really they have a heart for sports. They're passionate. Uh, they're probably too short, a little too slow, um, not quite talented enough. But man, they give it a hundred and forty percent every practice, every game that they can get into. They're going to give it their all. Um, again, that's that's good, and they they could probably find a place somewhere in college athletics to play. I just don't want it to be at your school if you're listening to this. And so are you getting a majority of, of responses from that caliber of kid? Are you getting a majority of responses from uh, the bees? Well, I hope so. Are you getting a, an equal percentage or uh, a, a measurable percentage based on that, that forecast that I just stopped, talked about in step one? Are you getting that from, from each group? That's how to evaluate. Is the message resonating? Are we hearing from the right kids in each group? If you aren't, then I think there's something in the message that probably needs to change. Now, let me just give you an example. For the C-caliber kids, there is a base message that is what I would say is the traditional, long, kind of overly formalized recruiting letter that those kids will respond to because they're just looking for something. They're looking for anything that says, there's a chance you're going to play college athletics uh, and here we go. Here, here's we're going to reach out to you now. Does it engage with them? Does it uh, does it um, you know, do everything that they can to uh, that that it can the, the the letter the email can? Does it do everything that it should to uh, to wrap them into a conversation? Probably not. But they're going to take you up on the offer to uh, to call you back or to email you or to text you, fill out the questionnaire, and those are the those are the kids that. Again, from a number standpoint, you might want, but those are not the ones that you want on the field or on the court or in the pool or on the track and so on. Um, So are you getting the right percentage breakdown by group? If you are, then you have a message that's resonating. If you're doing it consistently, that's the key. Because I can tell you that if you're listening to this and you're a client, you already know, especially if you've been one for a while, how important the consistency is and what a difference that makes over a longer period of time, 6, 12, 18 months, in the life of a recruit and how they interact with you. Um, If you're not a client, that's okay. You just have to commit to writing an engaging message and getting out to those kids on a regular basis. Really, every six to nine days is what they want. They want to hear from you as a coach, to hear from you, why should I go to your school? Why are you the better option for me? Um, if you aren't doing that, then you're going to eventually and slowly lose out to the coaches that are. And because there's a certain level of this that's just science. It's hard to ignore consistency and they begin to value it in such a way that it's it's hard to overlook. So are you sending that message out? Is it getting the response that feeds into the right groups? That's a one easy way to measure the message. Again, I'll say it one more time. If you're getting a majority of responses from your C caliber kids and nothing from your A's and B's, that's not that the C cal the, the A's and B's are wired differently in their mind than the C kids. It's that the message isn't right. And those A and B kids are probably looking for something that feels more personal that might mimic what they're hearing from other coaches. And so I really want you to focus on measuring the message by by looking at which percentage of, of categories of kids are you hearing back from. That's a great way to, uh, to do it. Now, beyond that, 
what you as a coach have to do is after you know who you want to recruit, you know if the message is working, now there is this idea that you have to manage the process. This is the hardest thing that a coach really has to do in the process of recruiting is is figuring out what the timeline is and where is that athlete in that timeline and more importantly, most importantly, are they moving through the timeline? Because one of the things that we found with coaches that struggle or coaches and programs that that start off well, they get a kid's attention and then it just sort of fizzles out at the end. Um, A lot of the time we can trace it back to the coach not demanding sort of some yes and no's and some directional answers to where this athlete is heading in the whole process. So I think part of your job, in addition to selling the athlete on your school, uh, over time it becomes less about the selling of your school and more about the measurement of how that athlete is is uh, picking a school and what their process is and and what things are going to be important to them and what questions do they have and are we answering those questions those are all things that nobody can can uh, measure dictate and manage other than you coach so are you consistently through the process asking them where they're at and figuring out what's next for them and and finding out from them what are the, the question marks that they have? What are the things that they aren't feeling good about when it comes to your school? That's the stuff that really you need to focus on because if you don't, then it's going to be um, it's going to be mayhem. I'll, I'll explain what that is because this is going to a part of the evaluation of um, the evaluation of your of of how the recruiting process is going. If you have started off great with a prospect and you are now in month three or five or seven or 11 of that athlete uh, communicating back and forth with you and things have gotten a little slow and they aren't returning your voicemail and you don't really know what to do next that's a red flag it means you are you've, you've lost control of the process you're no longer directing them you've given them probably permission, even though it hasn't been a a verbal permission, you've been giving them permission to basically take your opportunity, walk around with it in their back pocket pocket as they shop other schools and other opportunities. And on your behalf, I hate that when that happens to you. I really do because it's frustrating. There's probably no more frustrating feeling for a college coach than to have been interested in a kid um, pretty much kind of voice that they want them there. The athlete says, I've got some other schools to visit. Um, yeah, I'm interested. You're in my top five coach. Um, but but then nothing really ever happens to that. And, and a month goes by, and then two months go by, and three months, and I might be describing what you're sitting there thinking of some names popping into your head of athletes you're recruiting, and you're realizing, oh my gosh, I haven't really heard from them. It's so, it's so different now at this point in the process than it was at the beginning. That's a red flag. It means that it doesn't mean that you've lost them and you should give up, but it means that you're losing or have lost control and you need to regain or refoster that direction and that control. Because I would make the case that you're the only one in this process between you, your athlete, and their parents that know what the heck you're doing and they need your direction. They need you to define what what direction uh, that is. And so when you're doing that, the thing 
that I would have you focus on is measuring the process. Are there things that they need to know from you now that they maybe didn't think about two months from now? Um, I think it's always good to continually ask questions of recruits to say, you know, what, what questions do you have now? Um, hey, you're, you're about to visit campus. What questions do you have in your mind that you want to make sure you get figured out when you come to campus? Um, after they leave campus, boy, this is a huge time with with questions. I, I meet more coaches that think, hey, after campus, they, they come to visit. They spent a little time with me, a little time with my team. They've been to admissions. They've done the tour. We've shown them everything. I, this answers all their questions. Coach, <laughs> no, think again. Most kids leave a campus visit with more questions and new questions than they came up came in with, because before they were everything was off of what I think campus is. Now they step onto campus, and what if it's cold and rainy that day? Um, boy, is it always like this? What if they don't really see anybody because everybody's inside because of the weather? Well, it's, the campus seems sort of dead. I'm walking around. There's nobody outside. Um, all these things may seem irrational, and there are logical questions on the on the face of it. But for that athlete, those are the questions that they ask. They ask an entirely new set of questions after they've been on campus. And what I want you to do is just be be aware of that, and be okay and ready to ask them what new questions have popped into your mind. Hey, you were at campus. What are the two or three new questions that you came away with that you didn't really have on your mind before? And sometimes you have to sort of drag this out of them. The standby for most kids, if you ask them, what other questions do you have? Or what is it that you're still wondering about? The answer is, oh, hey, Coach, no, everything's good. I'm just sort of taking my time and thinking. I don't want you to take that at face value. There are questions that are on their mind, Coach, and you... At that point, your goal is to be the one that gets them to reveal those questions. So my answer to the, that type of, a, uh, of an objection or a comeback when you ask them what questions are on their mind and they say, oh, no, coach, everything's great, no questions, my comeback would be, well, look, I, even if it's not a big deal, if it's sort of minor, I would still love to hear two minor questions that you're still bothered by a little bit. Um, because you know, otherwise, you, basically, what you're telling me is that you're ready to commit because you don't really have any more questions. Um, and they, they might come back with, "Well, you know what? It just it took a long time to drive to campus." So, yeah, my dad was talking about how far away from home it is, but not a big deal. Uh, coach, I would say, whatever they voiced to you after asking them that question, I would say that's a big deal. You're uncovering at this point what is it that's going to keep you from committing, and that's going to be, in this instance, in that example, one of the things that ends up keeping them from committing, which is the distance from home. So as part of the evaluation, as you're looking at your, uh, your prospects, what questions are you asking them to determine what their line of thinking is and what they're feeling at that point in the process? And I say at that point because this has to be something that's asked at the beginning, several times in the middle, and certainly as close to the end as you feel that they're getting. That needs to be something that is uh, that is set. Let me jump into one other thing too, because I think overall what I've seen is coaches describe the number of kids that they recruit. Um, I would say close to eight out of 10, maybe a little over eight out of 10 coaches 
in my estimation as an outside observer and, and comparing them to other people in their sport that I know are successful, they under-recruit. <clears throat> they start with a far too little you know, top of the funnel or initial prospect group. Um, so I need a class of seven kids on this team for this class, so I'm going to recruit 25, let's just say. Um, and usually what I've found is that however many you need, the serious recruits end up being about four times that, four to five times that, for whatever reason. I don't think there's a, a science to it, but I just find that that's, that's the case. Um, so if you need that, you're going to recruit, let's say, four to five times that. Okay, if you're a BCS Division I uh, high-performing team, I think you could get away with that. I think that might even be too many. You could probably get away with fewer. For the other 99% of you, in non-revenue, non-BCS, non-Division One sports, I don't think you have the luxury of under-recruiting. I would much rather see you as a coach over-recruit in terms of your initial list, over-recruit, get more kids interested in you than you need because I want you to be able to control the process instead of the athlete control the process. And here's what I mean. If you've got 25 kids for seven spots, that means you're probably going to get 12 to come to campus. And let's just say you somehow, of those 12, get seven to say, yep, coach, we're in. Well, you know as it gets to number four, five, six, and seven, it gets really tight. And you're hoping and praying, oh, boy, I hope I hope this last one commits or else I'm in trouble. Or what if these last two um, don't come through? Now I'm two down. All the things that, uh, that that run through your mind is you're trying to walk this tightrope and have some some athletes or, or a recruiting class come together magically where it just worked out perfectly. Only the kids that got offered came and you didn't have to tell anybody no or I'm sorry, we're not interested anymore. Um, that rarely happens. If that's your goal, I'm just here to tell you across all division levels, it rarely happens. The best schools, the best coaches, the best programs that consistently perform at a high level are starting with a large number and actually bring in kids that, uh, you know, more so, I'm not bringing in, make an offer to or seriously recruit more kids than they need. Well, damn, wait a minute, that's not ethical. That's how I'm going to disappoint the athlete if I have to tell them no later on. Well, in this process, disappointment is almost unavoidable. I would rather have the athlete be disappointed, coach, than you. Um, now, that's partially because I work for you, and I am passionate about your job as a college coach, so I'm going to always defer to you. Somebody has to control the process. I want you to control that process. When you do things work out well. If you don't, if you give it over to the athlete because you want to be kind and nice and professional um, and I'm um, using my air quotes there even though I'm driving. <laughs> but boy, it, it doesn't work out very often, does it coach? Where you, everything just, either you end up short um, or or just short or really short in, in your total numbers. And I just, that then begins to affect you on the field because now you have to take the C minus and D plus kids that are left to fill in and that just doesn't work well because of course the B's wanting to decide earlier have committed to other schools. So I want you to recruit from the start more kids than you need. And I would love it if for those seven spots, if you had 12 kids that are completely sold on your program, completely ready to hear you say, 
okay, we've made our final decision now. We want you. Figuratively, I would want them lined up outside your door saying, please, coach, pick me. I am so in love with this place, and you've convinced me this is the place I want to be. And come in and and pick the athletes that you want. So, hey, I want you, 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 and you. Those are my seven. Everybody else, fantastic getting to know you. You're going to play somewhere, but it's not going to be here. We've made our choice. I wanted to let you know as early as possible so you could have the chance to go out and find something else. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that, that we're, we're done. I would love it if that was your mode of operation. Because if you do that, if you're taking 12 really good athletes and you're picking the best seven, um, when you sit down and evaluate your recruiting, that's going to be your best recruiting year. And that's what the most consistent programs do on a regular basis. They slightly over-recruit. They get more kids interested than they need, and then they go and choose the ones that are the best for their program, the best of that bunch, um, and you don't end up short. So that, that's what I would do. If I really went into specifics, going back to that A, B, and C example, uh, this is the part that we get into a lot when we're live in front of you, is I want the really high Bs and the As, if possible, for that group. Fill it with the high Bs first. So if I get 65% of my high Bs to commit, and now that leaves 15% of my A's and 25% of my C's, well, first of all, am I feeling pretty good about myself? Is life pretty good at that point? You bet it is. I've, I've just signed 65% of my class. They're all high Bs bordering on A's. Man, life is good. Uh, and now you jump in and spend a lot of time, a lot of uh, resources recruiting the A's. Uh, so that's fantastic. And then maybe you're able to fill in the some of those remaining slots instead of the 25% of C's. Maybe you can split that in half and get some more B's in and not have to take as many C's. That's the overall goal, strategically, to build a program. That's how we've seen very, very successful coaches do it, as they've shared privately with us how they've, how they've uh, gone about doing it. I want you to do the same thing. It involves over-recruiting uh, to a certain extent. So let me just back up a second. I gave you sort of a four-step process for for evaluating the way that you're recruiting. Um, so what do you do right now? What if you're in the middle of all this and you have to, you have to go in and sort of do a, a mid-recruiting season assessment of where things stand? Well, go as far in those steps as you can as possible. And, and come up with the determination. The other thing, the reason you want to do this on an ongoing basis, Coach, is if you can consistently measure where you are and make adjustments on the fly, that is much better than waiting until next recruiting cycle, until the next recruiting class, looking back and saying, oh, wow, we tanked it this year. Wow, we got to do things differently this year. I don't want you to lose a whole year. I'd rather have you lose and be inaccurate with half of a class versus your entire class. So, Always be measuring. Always be measuring where you're at. Uh, I, as far as a recommendation for how often, I would do it at least every two months. Um, you probably get away with it once a quarter. Um, you can certainly do it every month if that if you have the time and the resources and and the sort of the analytical fire to uh, to do that. But at least every two months, uh, at a minimum, every three months, to always be accurate as to where things are sitting 
and and who's truly a prospect and who is really just having trouble telling us that uh, it's not going to be us. It, it's a no. Um, that's I think the way that you uh, evaluate it. And and as you go through that, the other thing that I would say is is don't be disappointed if you find that things aren't going as well as you had hoped. I notice I didn't say planned. I'm saying as well as you hoped, because once you have a plan, once you have just gone through and uh, and done the things, done the methodology that I've briefly outlined here, what you're going to find is that you will stick to that plan much more closely than just hoping that you get a bunch of A's or hoping that all those B's say yes this year as opposed to the other two years. Um, I don't want you. I don't want you to hope. I want you to plan for it and then work that plan. The same way that you would go out to a practice. You have a week of practice ahead. No coach in the right mind says, "Boy, I hope we do some good things at practice today, and I hope we get better." Heck, no. You've you've got a plan. You've got it laid out in ten minute or fifteen minute increments. What you want to get done based on the time of year, the opponent you're about to face. I just want you to do the same thing in recruiting when it comes to evaluating the way that recruiting is going and be accurate, be, be brutally honest with uh, yourself, with where you're at on your list, and if it, as much as it pains you to do, uh, and I talked about this with this, the uh, athletic department that I was in front of today, we, we talked about the idea and, and the aspect of coaching where it's so hard to take a kid's name off the list, especially if they're really good and you want them. Uh, I want those kids. I want more of those high-caliber kids. I do too, Coach. But beyond that, and even more important than that, is I want you to be accurate in the way that you define uh, who that kid is and are they truly interested in your school. That's what I want. I want accuracy and brutal honesty. And if you have to take them off the list now, Hopefully there's a couple of months or maybe even a year in advance where you can add somebody else to the list. Um, We've had a coach about two months ago at the beginning of the school year do a very serious evaluation of their entire recruiting roster of kids that they were looking for for the 2018 class. So this current senior class in their sport, they had roughly 40 kids on their list. After we really went piece by piece through that as a part of the client process, um, they realized they really only had about 13 ser- serious commits in the sense that we're going to get these kids to campus or they've been to campus. And they realized that 27 of the kids, approximately 27, were really just, they're there and we were talking to them and recruiting them, but they weren't really taking any action. So what they were able to do was realize they needed to recruit another 15, 20 kids in addition to the ones that they were already recruiting in order to have enough to recruit and they may have to re-evaluate again and here in a month or two go back and add another 10 or add another five there is an uh, an element of math to this that again just like you are historically able to define what percentage of a's b's and c's do we get you're probably able to define how many how many names do we need at the start of the process in order to get that uh, to get these numbers that we need so Pay attention to that. Respect the math. Respect your intelligence and your historical perspective of your program uh, in order to, again, more consistently and honestly evaluate what's truly going on in your program. So um, a couple of other important things before we wrap up, before the music starts playing and we uh, we fade out. 
Um, by the way, you should always listen to the very end of the podcast. Don't don't jump out early because, especially moving forward, I'm just going to let you know we're going to probably save some some interesting stuff for the very very end, like after the music fades out. So, just giving you a little um, uh, hint there. Uh, but but as as we as we leave, first of all. Uh, if you want us on your campus, that's what we do a lot of throughout the years. We go and we train an athletic department and do customized research for your athletic department with your athletes and how they got there. And we, we teach from that and we build out a strategy from that. It's been going on now for going on to 15 years. We love doing it, love being on college campuses. It's fantastic. Uh, we would love to be on yours. And even if we've been on your campus, let's say a couple of years ago, bring us back because so much has changed. And even the stuff that's the same, we're able to build on what we talked about before and do some advanced training, which is, uh, which is always good. So we would love to talk to you about that. You can go to dantutor.com, look on the uh, um, on-campus workshop tab and get the information there or you can just email me dan at dantutor.com and i can get you the information and the other thing is um if you're listening and you're not a client that's okay we, we don't you don't need you to become a client we're um we got plenty we're plenty busy but if you feel like you know what i just want to take a different approach i want to do it more methodically in a more research-based standpoint we would like to have a conversation with you it's not uh, fill out a form, enter your credit card information, and boom, you're a client. I want to talk to you um, one-on-one to figure out what is it that you're trying to do, and can we help you do that? Um, and then, uh, you know, there's a couple of different ways that we work with you as clients. So what is the best way that's going to get the best um, uh, the, the best value and the best results for you? And sometimes that's not always the most expensive option. In fact, rarely is it. I am more concerned with having our group work with you and, and having it become a long-lasting relationship because uh, it's something that you can budget for and it's something that works. So we'll take care of the working part because um, what we do now works. I mean, after, after close to 15 years of doing this, we have worked out all the bugs and there's so much science that plays into that that, um, that it works. In fact, I had one, one coach uh, today in this session talk about, uh, I have, you know, she said, I've, I'm sending out the stuff that, that you've created and... Um, and even though some of it isn't isn't exactly the way that I would put it, I've sent it out, and wow, can't believe the response. Um, I'm working with a lot of kids, and, and really more kids than I have in the past in terms of of starting with them uh, on the prospect conversation. That's good. That's what this is all about. Is our job when in a client relationship is to is to create more conversations for you. And if you're maintaining the schedule that we said, if you're sending out and and implementing the messaging and the plan the way that we've outlined, that will happen. I promise you that. There's there's no mystery left there. Um, that that will happen. The um, I, I guess the other thing that that I would um, that I would say is that in in figuring out what it is that uh, that that you need from the process, that you need from uh, you know any any kind of help, please reach out and get it. Whether it's us or somebody else, maybe that's just talking to another coach um, in your department. Whatever that is, if there's something that you feel you're not doing well, find an outside resource now. I, there's a lot of most of the stuff that we provide to you is free. So this podcast free. You can go through past episodes if you're a subscriber. 
Um, you can go to, uh, whether it's iTunes or Google or you're listening on Stitcher, you can go through past episodes. And we're, we're getting a pretty extensive library of experts now talking to you. There's probably, you know, th- there's dozens and dozens of hours of, of expert advice on this that you, that you can access. You can go to dantutor.com, go to our blog, and there is close to 13 years of research and articles. Again, the vast majority of it is free. And and you can access that and use that as your library. So use resources, whether it says, heck, go go read, go to go to Amazon or your local bookseller or wherever you buy books and either download it or buy the hard copy book of almost any business or marketing book and become better at this job that you have, which is marketing and sales uh, make the case a lot that hey coach you're you're a salesperson you're you're you only get to coach some of the time but you're selling pretty much all the time so what is it that that I can get better at as a coach well any business or marketing book is probably going to give you a a good uh, a good insight into what you can do differently and apply those lessons into your recruiting message. So that's the last thing that I wanted to, to get to you is the idea that please look to outside resources for help to make you a better coach. All right. Well, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for letting me just sort of ramble and rant a little bit on my drive uh, back to my home in North Carolina. And if you have questions, you can email me. I've given you the email address, dan at dantutor.com. would love to talk to you. If there is a topic or something that you would want me to talk about in a future podcast, or you want to uh, be a guest on a future podcast, you have something to share. I would love to do that. And the coaching community at large uh, loves that as well. So look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it so much. And, and I really appreciate the chance to um, to help in this world, this crazy world that you, uh, you call uh, your profession, college coaching. It's been such an honor and a pleasure over the years. And we look forward to many more years of serving you uh, and being your go-to people for recruiting advice, direction, research. Uh, and and everything of the sort. So have a great week, everybody. Thank you again for letting me uh, talk to you directly. We'll be back with our next episode uh, with more guests and more topics. So keep listening, and thanks for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Have a great one. As each of us recalls Ivy-covered professors In ivy-covered halls Turn on the spigot Pour the beer and swig it And Gaudiamusi get a tour Here's two parties we tossed To the games that we lost We shall claim that we won them someday To the girls young and sweet To the spacious back seat Of our roommates beat up Chevrolet 
To the beer and benzedrine, to the way that the dean tried so hard to be pals with us all. To excuses we fibbed, to the papers we cribbed, from the genius who lived down the hall. To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth. <laughs>